Welcome, Dan Shalit, to Kenik to the podcast. Thank you. It's nice having you on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure too. Um, we are going to talk about uh, your software, which is a terminology management app, which doesn't describe all of it, but uh, just to give people an, an idea, which is called IntraGloss. Yeah. But before we go there, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and where you're from? Well, originally, um, I'm from Israel, and uh, I was born in a bilingual uh, situation. So both my parents are French, and I grew up in French and then in Hebrew, uh, which I think uh, contributed a lot to the fact that I later became an interpreter. I've always liked languages. Uh, English is an acquired language for me, but I started up with uh, with two languages, and um, that's it. I I'm based in Israel in terms of um, where I live, my family, and all that, but I work mainly in France and in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to lead me a little bit, like. So French like is your mother tongue? <coughs> French is my mother literally? tongue. Yes, French, yeah. is, French is my mother tongue. Uh-huh. It's the language in which I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Although my um, uh, studies were made in Hebrew and then in English. Yeah. So uh, sometimes I think that my Hebrew is a little bit better than my French. But French is my mother tongue. That's the language where, in which I feel most comfortable. And you grew up most of the time in... I, I grew up in France until the age of seven. Yeah. And then I, uh, my family moved back to Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in Israel uh, ever since, uh, with a few years in Paris uh, in between, mm-hmm. and a little bit of traveling all over the world, uh, yeah. a little bit in England and the United States. Uh, they tell me that my English accent has become completely uh, impossible to identify. Nobody can trace my accent anymore. Uh, so that's it. Which maybe is an advantage. Well, yeah, sometimes. Depends. Yeah, it depends. It yeah. depends. Absolutely. And would you say that because of the fact that you grew up with so many languages or several languages, is that something that sparked your interest in becoming, I don't know, an interpreter? Or, or well, I never, knew I, w- languages? I never knew that I was to become an interpreter. I actually started working as a written translator. Mm-hmm. And I did that as part of, uh, well, I wanted to make a living when I was a student. My, in my studies, I, I studied something completely different. I mm-hmm. studied the uh, musicology and psychology. And then I studied the music therapy. And I worked as an art therapist, a music therapist, for, some, for several years. Um, and then I did a master's degree in clinical psychology, and mm-hmm. through all, all through that time, I uh, worked as a translator, uh, written translator, and I became an interpreter completely by by chance, by coincidence, mm. uh, and I liked it a lot. So I've been working as an interpreter for twenty years, almost mm. a little bit more actually, twenty one years. So initially, you did translations in your field of expertise? Was Not necessarily, no. 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 I was, just, I was just a young student, I was mm-hmm. looking for a job, mm-hmm. and uh, they looked for a translator, so I gave them like a sample, they liked it, and okay. I started working on books. And, um, and that's how I became a translator. And later on, I started traveling, I finished my studies, I worked as a, as a therapist, as I said, mm-hmm. and uh, someone suggested, maybe you'd like to, to be an interpreter. I was talking to someone, and she, she was saying, you know, Hearing your background, you might be interested in becoming an interpreter. And I said, okay, I might as well try. So she sent me to a colleague of hers who was teaching uh, simultaneous interpreting. In Paris? And, and, no, no, and no. That was in, uh, in, in Israel. Okay. And um, she gave me a headset and she said, start talking. And I started talking. And I don't know until this day who was more surprised, she uh, <laughs> or I. Yeah. Uh, because you jumped I, in at the deep end, basically. Yeah. And, I, and I, it, I, it came out as a natural. And it was apparently very good. And mm-hmm. three months later, I just started to work. And uh, yeah, 
So, so you didn't was, have any formal training in, in terms uh, of Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Later on, I did. I did just went to, to, to do a few courses in terminology, things like that. But no, I had no formal training. Yeah. Um, and an interesting part of that story is that uh, a few years before that, uh, a few years before that, uh, I was invited. To, I, I had translated a book, which was very interesting. The translation was a very interesting project. Um, and I, somebody wrote an essay on my translation in, in that same place in the university. In the, like a translation critique? Uh, not exactly, because oh. the, 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 it was a translation into Hebrew of a, um, a book called Flowers for Algernon, which is like the personal journal or diary of a, a mentally retarded person. Mm -hmm. uh, it was written in the 60s, 60s very popular. There's a... There's a uh, theater show and all that, and, mm -hmm. uh, and but the story goes like it's his diary uh, when he which he writes when he's uh, about in his thirties, and he's about to undergo an operation which is going to something in his brain which is going to turn him into a, a brilliant uh, genius, okay. and so he writes a diary and the language changes all the time based on his mental capacities that keep uh, advancing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so the translation is problem because so the language keeps changing yeah. and the mistakes keep changing. So yeah. he goes from, from someone who doesn't know basically how to write to uh, like a genius and then back again because everything deteriorates and he, and he uh, returns to the same spot afterwards. Mm -hmm. But the, So the story is nice, but it was a mm -hmm. real uh, interesting uh, project in terms of the translation that was required. Sounds like quite a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So someone wrote uh, an essay about that translation and I was invited as the guest of honor. They were very uh, impressed with the fact that I was probably the youngest person in the room uh, and it was, uh, it was really very nice and they gave me a tour of the premises which included also the, uh, the lab where they teach simultaneous interpreting. This was a few years before I became an interpreter. Right. Mm -hmm. And they said, I said, wow, how, the, how can they do that? Like speak and listen and talk at the same time. And they said, yeah, it's a profession. I said, okay, would you like to try? I said, sure, why not? And they gave me a headset. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't utter a single word. <laughs> so luckily, a few years later, I had forgotten about this because I would have said, no, no, I already tried that. You know, yeah, and, uh, It's not for me. <laughs> yeah, but a few years, ago, a few years uh, later, with maturation of, uh, and probably a bit of traveling and age and all that, I, it came out as a, as a natural. So it was a, interesting. When we, when, you know, when, when we hear someone and we say, this guy is never going to be an interpreter, mm. you know, think again. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will change. Maybe yeah. a single sampling is not enough. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's right. Um, and then you sort of slowly grew into the interpreting market, you would say, and then you worked mainly well, in Israel? Well, well, I worked mainly in Israel at the beginning, mm -hmm. and then a few years afterwards, uh, we, I just went, we, we, we traveled to France because I wanted to complete my studies in psychology. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to have to find something to do in France. So I said, okay, I'll, try, I'll start like creating my own position as an interpreter. Yeah. And things uh, like went out quite well. And uh, after a year or two, I started to be a very busy interpreter because I, ha I did Hebrew, but also English and French, which are, which are my main uh, working languages. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so things like led from one to the other and uh, it became a, a main occupation, a primary occupation. I, I never intended to become like a, an interpreter. Mm. And uh, I've always enjoyed working with languages. And back to your question, I think that uh, growing up in a, in a family where you speak French but there's also another language and then moving to that country where the other language is spoken... Uh, that, that had a big influence on me. I remember that my parents, uh, when I started to go to school in Israel, they, and they used to say, 
I, I started to answer to them in Hebrew. They would mm -hmm. speak to me in French because that was their mother tongue, and, and I mm -hmm. would answer in, in, in Hebrew, and they would say, no, 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 you have to answer in French, and mm -hmm. I resented that. I remember we, we, we actually fought about that. You know, there was a lot, of, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of struggling on that, and they insisted, and I'm very thankful for that because that way I kept the French as a, an active language. That was the idea, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, I, I don't. They didn't know anything about interpreting, so they wouldn't be able to say this in so many words. But yes, mm -hmm. the idea was to keep the French active, mm -hmm. and and it worked. Yeah. So uh, and then I decided to study French also a little bit and to to uh, to uh, improve my yeah. But but the basic active skill uh, was thanks to, to to those struggling that struggling when I, when I was uh, seven years old. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the interpreting market in Israel? What what kind of work you typically do? Well, I don't work a companies. Or? Yeah, I don't work a lot in Israel. Okay. I, most of my work is uh, is in Europe because I do French English basically. Mm. Uh, it's a very small market. Uh, all languages uh, confounded. You have, I think, maybe eighty interpreters in, in Israel. That's all. That is a small market. It's a, and uh, IIC members. I think you have probably twenty or twenty two. So mm. it's a very, very small, it's a, it's a niche market. Um, and it's mainly, mainly a private market. So mm. you have, uh, and you don't have like a secretariat like you have in Paris, for instance, because there's right. not enough interpreter to justify that. What you basically have is uh, three or four uh, interpreters who also act as organizers. They're more known by companies and all that. So they, so, so they, they, they have like the, both jobs, they, they do interpreting, but they also organize yeah. events. Like you have, you have that uh, elsewhere as well. Right. Uh, and I think everybody is, everybody's actually freelance. So, uh, you don't have like staff interpreters. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, it's a very small market with, uh, the same problems and the same benefits that you will find elsewhere, like, uh, mm -hmm. internal politics and, uh, things, uh, you know, th they always say that, uh, when you have two people, you'll have three different opinions. So it's that's that's true for interpreters. That's lawyers. true for yeah for lawyers. That's true for everybody. So that's true yeah. as well as well. Yeah. So let's say there's a big conference happening in I don't know Tel Aviv. Uh, would would they just do it in English, all English, or would they have interpreter interpreters for let's say Hebrew to English for those who come from abroad and don't speak Hebrew? Well, that that that, that really depends on which languages okay. and also on budgets, of course, mm. because you know it's easy to find the. Uh, English and Hebrew interpreters. Mm -hmm. When you're looking for French and Hebrew, like both ways, you probably have three or four interpreters doing that. No more. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. The cabine française in, yeah. in Israel is like four people, yeah. maybe five. I don't want to. Right. I don't want to, f to forget anybody. But it's it's it, this 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 uh, type of uh, number, not not much more. Mm -hmm. And if you have like uh, more. Uh, uh, remote languages, then sometimes you don't, ha you, you can't, I don't think that you can find like a Korean Hebrew interpreters. Probably. For not, instance. Yeah. yeah. That's quite exotic. Yeah. So, so people will have to do, to deal with, with English. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you also work for the European institutions. You're accredited. Yes. The, uh, yes. I'm what um, they call an ACI, uh, Auxiliary yes. Conference, <laughs> Conference Interpreter, interpreter yes. or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I do cabin, uh, I, I do the French booth uh, or the English booth. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew when necessary. So, uh, yeah. So, in terms of percentages, do you work a lot with Hebrew in that European context? Well, when I come to English when I, when I come to Europe, it's usually for Hebrew. Mm. Uh, maybe eighty percent of what I do in Europe, but it's not a lot of work these days. But you know, what mm. about eighty percent of what I do or ninety percent of what I do is uh, with Hebrew, mm. and sometimes it's like the French English. Uh, but this is rare. 
they have they don't need to bring me all the way from Israel to do French English. They have yes. enough local French English people. When I used to live in That's Paris, I would come from both. Yeah. But ever since I moved back to Israel, of course, uh, it doesn't make sense to bring me to, to do uh, French English. Yeah. And I think people in Israel, that's, that's my impression at least, speak English quite well. So I suppose films on TV or TV shows are often not dubbed, but just subtitled, or well, just, just yeah, in English. Well, I, I think the children are much, more, are much more exposed to English in Israel than they are, for instance, in France, because there is yeah. no dubbing, because everything is in English. And also because uh, Israel being a relatively small country, You really cannot do anything that has to do with relations with the outside without having English. You right. can't have a whole career only in Hebrew, mm. like you can in France or in Germany. Like you can be a, a scholar in the university and everything mm. is translated into Germany or into German or into French, mm. and you don't necessarily have to to have English in, in some areas. In some areas, yeah. yeah. In, in Israel, it's impossible. You have to. Yeah. So, so people have a relatively good level of English. Of course, uh, as interpreters, we know that that doesn't mean that they can speak English very well, but they can understand it usually. Mm -hmm. And if they have to speak in public, usually they will need an interpreter, except if they are experienced in speaking yeah. uh, in English. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe let's sort of transition into the software side of things. Okay. So uh, together with a, a programmer, uh, you have developed this program, which is called Intragloss. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still a relatively recent project. I yes. Think. I mean, uh, the way I learned about it was I think you approached a few interpreters I would say maybe two years ago yep. with an invitation to beta test mm -hmm. uh, the, the first uh, iterations of the software and uh, maybe just tell us the initial story of, of how you came up with the idea maybe you felt the need to have a, something of your own because I mean there are a few applications and you probably thought it's not for me I need something else. Or yes what exactly uh, th that's exactly what happened. Uh, I've been having this idea for more than 10 years, actually, and I've been just, uh, you know, uh, not doing much with it, not knowing how to, to come up with, with something concrete. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've always had the feeling that uh, preparation is, at the same time, extremely important and extremely time-consuming uh, time and not, not much fun. Uh, but, uh, That's true. Uh, yeah, it is true. And, yeah. and, but, it, it, but it's necessary. It's really crucial. Yeah. And... Um, so I thought there has to be something that helps me to prepare. Uh, and there wasn't. At least 10 years ago, there was absolutely nothing that yeah. I could find that could help me prepare in a way that makes sense to me. Like uh, you have Word and you have database programs yeah. and you have things like that and uh, whatever you use, Mac or, or, or PC. But there's nothing that was really designed to do that, to help yeah. us prepare. So basically lists, I mean, of terminology. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, some people still use a you know pencil and paper. Yeah. But I think that uh, you know that's a, it's a smaller number these days. But everybody, <laughs> I found that also everybody works the, the way I do. So we prepare. Uh, I have a, a huge uh, library of dictionaries that I've been buying all over the world. You know, yeah. books which I don't use much these days. But ten years ago, I still used them a lot. It was difficult to get in the, those exactly. days, so yeah. you would just jump at the occasion to buy yeah. something. Yeah, like exactly. And, and I yeah. created my own list, sometimes on paper, sometimes on Word or Excel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, found, I realized that everybody was working like that. It was really very, very um, tedious and yes. time-consuming. And I felt that I was spending my time not on the major, not the most important part of preparation, because like that, there's the, the legwork, which is really not really important. It's about finding the terms. That's not important. Important mm -hmm. is like memorizing, learning, looking for uh, for other material, like really doing something intellectual with that work, not just 
collecting the words. So there was a whole mechanical process of preparing terminology that I thought, okay, we have to find something that helps me do that. And on the other hand, it can't be something that does it that's automatic because it's it's not it can't be automatic. You have to be able to choose to select which word because yes. okay. Mm -hmm. So so I had this idea that there has to be something better, and um, um, I've been thinking about that for many years <laughs> until I, I spoke to someone. So you know what you have to to do something with. I said, okay, how does one become an entrepreneur? How does one uh, go? all the way from having some sort of a vague idea into creating something that actually exists. I had mm -hmm. absolutely no idea about how to do that. So that person I was talking to who was in, into IT and, and uh, IT projects actually told me what you need to do is you have to find your better half. You mm -hmm. have to find someone who is going to cover the technological side for you. You'll be the the one with the, with, uh, with the brainchild, with the idea. Yeah. and and. You know, just have to, to, to partner up with someone. I said, okay. So I started looking for some people. I went to some companies who uh, specialized in, in IT projects yeah. and, and working with private entrepreneurs. And nobody seems to seem to really understand what I was looking for. And then That's I quite a niche project uh, product, uh, after all. I mean, well, difficult to, to grasp as well. Yes, yes, it is. So you had to find some. It, it is initially. Mm. It might not be in the end, but uh, but basically, it is a niche product, mm. and you have to have someone who really understands about that. And then I, I remember that I actually know someone who might be the perfect person, which is Daniel, Daniel Poriles, mm -hmm. the, the programmer, the chief programmer. Um, because he's been working with me, actually, 20 years before on projects related to localization of, uh, and translation. Mm -hmm. uh, so he knows a lot about translation. He understands translation much more than someone uh, who's not into translation. He's not a translator himself, not an interpreter, but he understands about that. And he's been working on projects in, in, in related areas. So I gave him a call and we met for coffee, just like we're you know, having coffee right now. Yeah. And he said, you know what, I like this, so let's do it together. So we partnered up and we, we created our own company. And uh, this is how things have been going. This was three, three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and we started, uh, the, the, the initial idea was to create a software that would work uh, on the web, not okay. something that you install on your computer. Yeah. And um, we had a lot of uh, objections received from people who, when I, I, I like, I tried to to suss things up and to see what people thought about that, and we yep. actually created a product. But it entailed, for instance, uh, people had to send our do their documents to us so to to a server on the web. Yeah, processing. Uh, so it was a long processing. There was a the the most. The, the, the biggest problem was confidentiality. They said, you know, I yeah, can't, I can't sure. send you documents. I yeah. can't. Even if I want to, I can't. I'm not allowed to. Yeah. And also, uh, nobody uh, can assure me that I'm going to have a, a good uh, broadband connection in the booth and everything. So, so, right. it didn't, so we realized that the whole concept of having a web-based product for this sort of application was probably not a good idea. So we switched to something that uh, was a local, something you install on your computer and only remains on your computer as, as long as you prefer. If you want to share things, you can. But yeah. uh, And we started working on that and we, we did some beta testing. Actually, we did five, uh, five or six uh, cycles of beta testing. Yeah. That's when I approached you but I, because I started to approach everybody I could think of. Mm. Uh, I started to create uh, contacts in the, through LinkedIn and other uh, other uh, net interpreters networks yeah. because I need, really needed people to, to try to tell me what they think. 
I also, we started to, I wanted to see if everybody was working the way I was working, because if it solves my problem, but not, it doesn't solve someone else's problem, then it's, yeah. not, it's not very interesting. But I realized that most people were working the, the same way I was, like using Word, using Excel, uh, looking for yes. different websites, and, and th there's no other way if you really want to prepare. Mm -hmm. There are some interpreters who told me outright, you know, I don't prepare. So, okay, fine. So, That's so, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I did find some interpreters who said yeah. that. They were honest enough to say it and said, okay, so in that case, you won't need that. It's not going to be very helpful. But if you do prepare, this might be interesting for you. Um, I mean, it's interesting that they would even admit that. I was, a bit, I was a little bit surprised myself, but I did have this shocking. answer. Yeah, it was, well... It is I mean, shocking. of course, we, we prepare differently and we don't prepare in the, with the same intensity, I guess, for every job because some things tend to repeat or we have a favorite customer. Well, kind of one of those people, one of those interpreters, he said, you know, it's very simple. I've been, I'm working with the same group of people. Mm. I've been doing this for 20 years. Right. I know exactly what they're going to talk about, mm. you know, better than they do. Yeah, I don't need to prepare. I said, right. okay, fine. Mm. Okay. Uh, but those who do prepare and who do like preparation and do complain a little bit about the fact that preparation takes too much time. Yeah, uh, they, you know, they, they were very interested. So we started beta testing, mm. and we've actually completed the uh, program, the product for Mac right now. It, it's it's probably good. we're going to add features and so on, but for now we we just froze everything on Mac because we're doing the Windows version. Okay. Which is going to be uh, ready, I hope, in a month or two. Nobody knows exactly. Uh, you know, uh, and the, if, the, if there's something that uh, Daniel doesn't like to tell me, uh, that's dates. He said, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah, a month, maybe two months, maybe three months. <laughs> less than a year. I said, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, 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 Go ahead. We, I can cut this out if you want to have a sip. <laughs> because oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I don't want your beer to get too warm. That would be a shame. So that's, that's interesting. Um, what, what I would be interested in knowing is that, because you said uh, you started with Mac and decided to focus on that, and then you'll have the Windows version later. Um, why Mac? Was he a Mac programmer? Was, was that well, Daniel is basically is a Mac programmer. And when okay. we started out, it didn't make any difference because we thought of a web product. So it doesn't right. matter. Yes, so, so it doesn't matter. It platform. was supposed to be browser-based, and that's it. Uh, and when we decided that we want to switch to a local product, then like half the work was already done in Mac. So mm -hmm. okay. So we said, and he's a Mac programmer. Mm. And there's also some some advantages to starting with Mac people, because uh, people who use Macs statistically uh, are usually more interested in technology. Mm -hmm. Very often, I'm not saying anything against uh, Windows yeah. users, you know, yeah. but but Mac people are usually uh, interested in technology and they're willing to try out things. And uh, Macs are quite popular just in general. I mean, you, yeah. see, you see them a lot everywhere. Maybe. Yeah, in yeah, booth as well. Yeah. Uh, so we start, and also migrating from Mac to Windows is slightly easier. I think mm. I'm not understand much about the technical side maybe, of, yeah. but but apparently uh, there are tools that allow you that allow you to do that faster when you go in that direction. But, uh, you know, you would have to interview Daniel about that. I don't know anything <laughs> about <is> programming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a gamble, but we started with, uh, with Mac. And yeah, it was clear. It was also easier because, in a way, uh, it, it's a good case study. You, know, you, you work with a smaller population, with, mm. with fewer people, you get uh, your, your feedback and everything. And, you know, if you have something that's interesting, that's worth uh, going like on a bigger scale for, for Windows because yeah. they're still, uh, even if Macs are very popular, Windows uh, are more prevalent, you know, more oh, yeah, Windows definitely. users. So 
So yeah, and so it was clear that uh, if the product is successful uh, and if people like it and if I like it, you know, as a user, uh, then uh, we will, of course, afterwards uh, develop a version for Mac and mobile versions, you know, uh, because mm. you have uh, some people, some strange people who prefer to reuse tablets, for instance. Yeah, like uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that's why, you know, uh, I'm just yeah. teasing you by saying strange people, but but I know it makes perfect sense. And I, I got that answer uh, quite a few times. And you know, people mm. told me your, your software is wonderful, but I, mm. I don't take a computer into the booth. I usually take a tablet. Well, you have a tablet version. I said, yeah, we will eventually, but uh, yeah. Um, I'm curious about the process, actually. So, um, because you said you've you, you've been thinking about the the product or, or, or what you wanted for a while. So, did you just tell Danielle you do you do this and you do that, or did you sort of develop the whole thing together? I mean, the, the way it looks and the way well, it works. The, basically, the, the great thing about my, my cooperation with Danielle is that uh, we have very different expertise. Mm. What I know about, he doesn't know much. And what he knows about, I know nothing about. That's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it helps decision-making very easily because uh, it makes decision-making process <coughs> excuse me, very easy because it's very clear who makes decisions on what. Yeah. Um, so we work together. We, it's clear that we're going to start with the beta testing of the Mac version. And, and then we, we, just, you know, we, have, we had to decide as we went along about... Uh, what is uh, because it's not only about what makes sense in terms of software; it's also about financing because right. currently it's privately financed by by both of us. Mm. Uh, the whole project, which costs a lot of money, so it's not like that. We have uh, investors with three million dollars and we can do whatever we like. Yeah. Uh, would be nice though, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's not like that. And uh, because of the same the same reason, uh, we don't have many people. It's not like we have like teams working for mm. us. So it's like uh, I, I do the marketing and I, I have sure. the basic idea and we, we develop the concepts together. And then there's Daniel and his company. So it's one mm. or two or other more people who work in programming, but that's it. Um, so we have to think of also what makes sense in terms of financial uh, mm. revenues and yeah. Priorities. Uh, yeah, and, and priorities. Um, that's it. So, what is the? Um, because you said it, the the app focuses on preparation. So, what's the sort of the workflow, the the idea of what, the workflow behind it? I actually, the, the whole idea was uh, is that I, I, I formalized uh, the workflow that I do, yeah. and then I checked with other interpreters. That was the, the initial uh, the initial stage to see if they work the same way. And when I was I was sure that they would, but I, you had to check that. You want to make sure. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. It made sense. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is that when you start preparing, you start reading a document and then you look up terms. Yeah. You bump into a term and you say, okay, what the hell is that? Or how do I say that in French, Hebrew, whatever target language you have? So you start looking up. You could, you could be looking up in uh, all kinds of specialized websites yeah. like uh, Yate uh, or uh, Lingui or whatever. Uh, or you could be looking up in Google just to, to find, you know, sometimes we don't get documents. Very often we don't get documents. So, mm. so I have to find my own documents. You know, I know the topic. I know it's going to be on heart surgery and I have to, and it's on a specific valve or whatever, and I have mm. to find documents for myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a whole uh, kind of research. Yeah. So the idea, and so how do I do that? You know, normally what I do is I'm going to go to this website, I'm going to start looking, find a possible translation, yeah. then go back, switch back to my to, to my Windows in, uh, with, with Word, and then copy and paste and go back to the internet and look for other possibilities. It's tedious. It's, it's tedious. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole idea was that I, and usually I can define, I know in advance based on the topic, I know usually where I'll start my searches mm. at. 
Okay, maybe I'll search elsewhere afterwards, but I know I'll be looking in Lingui, I'll be looking in a specialized medical dictionary, I'll yes. be looking uh, here and there. Maybe even a paper dictionary. Or even a paper dictionary. Yes. But for paper dictionaries, we don't have, uh, you know, the people can do that. But you I, can't automate that. Exactly, yeah. not, not, not yet. Yeah. So if I can define a set of search sites, okay, out of which every interpreter can choose, you know, the ones that he, he wishes for a specific search or for a specific assignment or whatever, mm. okay, and then... I read my document. Usually I read my documents on screen, not in paper, because I get them electronically. Yeah. So the idea was, why do I have to go through all the process of, uh, of, of, of copying? And some, mm. you know, sometimes I have, you have so many windows open on your computer screen yes. that the only solution is to actually create a paper list you know, of terminology, mm. and then copy it back into Word, because it's easier, it's faster. It's, okay, so I, I take notes, I write down it. I said, this is dumb. I mean, mm. we're technologists. We're, we're, it, 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 it's <laughs> impossible. Be yeah, there has way. to be a better way. So yeah. I said, okay, what I want is a basic engine that allows me to search in predefined areas, mm. okay, and to enter what I find automatically into a list, and something that generates the table. Mm. So that's the whole idea. When I bump into a term, I click on it, or double-click on it, mm. and I hit search, and then it searches that term in several windows, in several uh, websites that I have predefined. I'll switch from one website to the other, okay? Mm. And automatically also that term is enter entered into the right column in my table, okay? And then I look at the different websites where the, the search has been uh, executed. Mm. And when I find, find something that seems interesting to me, I'll click on that. And, and again, automatically it goes into my table and, yeah. I, and I move on. And all of this happens right in Intraclass. So yeah. I open the Word document in Intraclass, and then I, I do the search. Yeah, you can so open any document. Yeah, you can open Word document. You can open PowerPoint, uh, yeah. PowerPoint, Excel, uh, mm. not Excel, sorry, uh, PDF. Yeah. Uh, and so for which are the documents? You know, I, I did a little survey. I asked, you know, what sort of documents do you guys get? You know, I know what that, that's what I get, and that's what we get or basically. PDF, PowerPoint. Yeah. yeah. And Excel, if we have and an Excel, Excel, yeah. mm -hmm. Excel can be converted into a PDF very easily. Yeah. There's a function in Excel. So, okay. Um, so, the the end result, and this was the basic the basic feature. I yeah. want to be able to search faster and to to organize my table faster. And then I want to be able to organize my table in a smart way. Mm. Uh, because sometimes it's very interesting to be able to organize my terms in orders of appearance in the document, for instance. Mm. And that's something that no other tool does, you know, no, no database uh, can, can do. So, yeah. so that makes sense. Or if you want, if you have a huge glossary and you want all the words that are, that contain, uh, for instance, the word right, like right of way, right of passage, right. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, things like that. <laughs> Uh. Spelled the same way, of course. Uh, so, that, so that helps you. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the, so. So we started with the basic feature of searching, and then I said, okay, I have a software tool. What else do I want to be able to do that I can do today? Another possible feature that you can very easily compare documents. Sometimes I get documents when I go to the when I when I do an assignment for the EP, for instance. I get documents in both languages. Okay. Uh, then I don't need to search, mm. but I need to identify those places in the document where the same term appears in French and in English, for instance, and create. And I know that this is already the terminology that's been approved by the client. Yeah. Okay. So I don't need to search the internet. I don't need to search my dictionaries, but I need to be able to to create my own list. You make sort of a, using an that. alignment. Well, yeah, you, you have a special feature in. Excuse me, and the software that allows you to show both documents one next to the other, mm -hmm. and to do like a there's a very smart algorithm that allows you to uh, scroll them together 
uh, not just automatically scroll together, but 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 really in a in a matched way, and you can pinpoint very quickly mm. where's the French, where's the English, and again you, you click and it goes into your table, and mm. it takes you five minutes instead of doing it like uh, two hours, and and it saves a huge a huge amount of time. That's the, basically that's the goal. The goal is to save time and to allow you to focus on the more interesting parts of preparation, not on the technical side of just gathering information and putting it into a table, yeah. which is the most time-consuming part, and, and it's not interesting in any way. It's not, uh, it doesn't help you in your preparation in any way. That's not, so you, you want to spend your time on things that help mm. you prepare and memorize, not on things that help you just create your list. That's true. Mm. Um, and I think you also have, uh, there are a few ways to, to organize the, the glossaries. I, I think you can sort of assign them to a client and you can sort them by assignments and that kind of thing. Yes. So you, you have built some of these organizing features into the app Yes, as well. some, some of these features, uh, well, most of them are working. Some are, are, are still planned, not mm -hmm. working. But if, because that, that's why, you know, when you said it's like a, a terminology management tool, mm -hmm. for now it's more a tool that allows you to prepare to create your glossaries mm. and to organize them, yes, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, uh, useful way. And we will add also additional management tools a little bit later that will allow you to to sort different assignments in different ways. Um, today, I think the most important part is, is that it allows you to create a glossary, create the glossaries uh, and manage your documents in a very easy way. And... Um, Hmm, I forgot what I was about to say. It'll come back to me. <laughs> yeah, we can edit it out. And, no you, can, and you can edit that out. After yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, and I think, I, I seem to remember there's also a way to uh, reuse your existing digital glossaries, so uh, oh, yes. lists and what, what, maybe what, that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, that, that's I mean. what I was actually going to, going to say. Um, mm. Of course, the first place you want to search for terms is your own glossaries. Mm -hmm. Okay, so because... Part of the problem with the, the old way of working with glossaries is that, okay, so I, I created my own Word file or Excel file with a glossary, mm -hmm. uh, and it's somewhere in my computer. If I'm really well organized and I'll have a special folder which is called glossaries or dictionaries, mm -hmm. it'll be organized either by date or by client or by topic, whatever, okay? And I, if I want, and I remember vaguely that I did something on this topic maybe one year ago. I'll have to start looking, and I'll maybe I'll find maybe I'll find the, the that file. Maybe I maybe won't. Not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. If I have a desktop search engine, maybe I'll probably find it. Yeah. But but still, I don't always keep them in the right way. I don't always update them. It's a mess. And mm. not only is it is it a mess, but you end up doing a lot of work. Uh, which you can't use afterwards. You, you don't optimize your work because yeah. if you, basically, if you've looked for this term once, that should be enough. But if I don't find the file, or even if I forget that I actually looked for it, okay, then mm. then all, all that work has been done, and I have to redo it again. To do it again yeah. And the whole idea is that here you have all your glossaries that are arranged in any way you like mm. in the same place, and you can search your own glossaries. So. Uh, and, and that's the most reliable, as far as I'm concerned, that's the, that's the most reliable source. You know, if I've already looked for it, I've already done that work. All yeah. I need to do is see in which glossary it is. What did I say? What did I find? And then I decide, do I want to use it or if I want not to use it? Mm. Um, yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's another, uh, another feature that is extremely helpful because it really helps you in the long term. You, you, you end up needing less work because what you've done once, You, you don't lose it. You don't miss it. You don't have right. a pile of papers or a pile of, of, mm. of files stored <laughs> somewhere in your computer. And when you have a computer crash, you don't know if it's in this backup or in that backup. backup oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So all these problems are are, are actually uh, reduced, and you end up spending much less time preparing. That that's the basic. And and I think well personally that's me. I enjoy preparation more because I really spend the time that I do spend on preparing. Mm-hmm. On doing things that help me memorize, that help me understand, that help me look further for additional topics, whatever. Not wasting time on on the legwork. The legwork, yeah, yeah exactly. What kind of uh, formats um, does it accept if I want to input my old glossaries that I may well, have? On well, my if you computer? have to input your old glossaries, you can uh, you can bring them as uh, Excel or Word files. Which again, I did a survey in the beginning, the, and, I, and I asked people, "How do you keep your glossaries?" Some said paper. I said, "Okay, I have nothing to do with that." And some said, "Okay, so it's uh, some sort of uh, word processing. It can be Word or others. Okay, mm. Mac uh, word processors and things like that, or or Excel." And you do have to do a little bit of organization to be able to properly uh, import them, uh, but it's not it's not much. You have to add headings like the language and so forth. This is really well, straightforward. Yeah, you probably have that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you probably have. Yeah, so so yes. Sometimes you have to change a little bit your, your existing glossaries uh, in order to for them to be uh, export uh, imported. Sorry, uh, <laughs> properly, and. Uh, The beta testing was very helpful. For instance, there, were, there are some features that we currently have that I didn't think of, but that users actually suggested. For instance, you can the, we have a special uh, column for acronyms, mm-hmm. which is extremely useful. I was going to ask about that, that, that because the database is quite flexible. I suppose you yeah. can have comments or yeah, and you have remarks. You can, yeah. you can add a column, uh, a remark column for each language that you work with, uh, and you can search. Uh, the, the, you can also decide exa- exactly when you search. If you have a glossary, if it's uh, like a, a not very long, one or two pages, you don't need search uh, search mm-hmm. facilities. But if it's like ten pages long, or if you have uh, a long document and you want mm-hmm. to search in the document or in the glossaries, but and you want to search only in the French or only in the acronyms mm-hmm. or only so all that you can do very easily. So the whole idea was to really there was a very interesting process when uh, I actually wrote down every. Thing that I do when I when I prepare, and I was and I thought together with Daniel with how can we improve that? You know, yeah. what would be a miracle if you mm. instead of doing this, what what would you really find helpful? And that way, we found a few features that were really very cool. Mm. For instance, the ability to sort uh, your uh, glossary table in order of appearance of the terms in the document—that's extremely helpful. It's useful in the booth as well. Exactly, exactly, mm. exactly. So that, that's something you can use in the booth. Uh, I also started with a basic requirement, which turned out to be very complicated to do. So it, we didn't have it in the beginning. But I wanted to have something that helps me when I do um, either uh, what site translation when I when I get a document and I had and I have to to do it like uh, right away. Uh, and I wanted to be able I wanted to have a software that allows me to do what we do by hand. What I what do we do by hand very often? I go over the text mm. and I use a marker yeah, and I like. and I write between the lines because I know I'm going to have to do site translation. I can't translate everything. I don't have I don't like to use uh mecha- you know machine translation because yeah. the, uh, some people do that but I don't like to do that. Uh and I know it's going to be very difficult so I I actually mark out Uh, those words that I'm not sure about, that I really want to search, or that I know I won't be able to remember or look up in the heat of action, yeah. and I write them down by hand. That's I wanted a software that does mm-hmm. that as well, and and we do that. We so actually it offer that. Okay. So it yeah, takes I can, the glossaries and sort of. It takes the glossary and it, it, it actually merges it with a document, All right. and I get a PDF 
which shows me like uh, in in uh, whatever color you like, you know, mm -hmm. and highlight in the uh, the target the, the source language, mm -hmm. and I have the target language from my own glossary mm -hmm. that appears right above that word in the glossary. So that's very helpful. You don't always yeah. need that because you don't always do site translation. But when you do site translation, it saves your life. So uh, yeah, it saves time. If you get a speech manuscript and you want to prepare exactly. that, yeah, exactly, that's exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So that's the, the, the overlay feature that you, you yeah. mentioned in the documentation. Yep. Excellent. Yep. And I suppose there are also a few ways to, to get the glossary out if you want to... Well, you I can export know, the glossary. Yeah, you can simply export, yeah, you can export it mm. as a Word file mm. or a Excel file, which is standard. Because the whole idea was that I, you know, first we wanted to be to people to be able to also collaborate with, with others who don't have the software. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And also... Sometimes, you know, since this is a, a like a subscription, you have to pay for it. Some people, you know, want to pay. Some people decide, okay, I don't want, I don't need mm -hmm. this anymore, or I, I don't want to pay for this for this year. I don't, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want people to feel that like they're being taken hostage by the software. Mm -hmm. It's like you did, you've been doing a lot of work with the software. It's your work. You know, there's mm -hmm. no reason you would not be able to 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 use those glossary. You won't be able to use the features of the, of the software if you don't take the uh, the subscription. But that makes sense. Yeah. On the other hand, the work that you've done is yours. Your documents, your glossaries, everything. You know, you should have that, and you should be able to use that. And so you can extract it. Sure. And take it yeah. Out. It yeah. takes uh, at least two and a half seconds. Yeah. There's a special command like export yeah. all. You can export specific glossaries or just export everything. Which is also good for like uh, the the software backs up itself all the time. But mm -hmm. people like to have the psychologically they they like to be able to like what if something happens to my computer? Will I have a backup? Mm -hmm. Okay, you can back up. You, can, you can even print out. Yeah, you can print out. You can have it in the cloud. Whatever you can have all your glossaries in a format that you can use like with uh, regardless of the software. Mm -hmm. yeah. And maybe to wrap up, you you talked a bit about what the plans are, but but what's the the pipeline, as it were. What's what's the thing you're working on next? Is it new features? Is it the Windows version? Or a well, first, the, the first thing that we have in the pipeline is the Windows version. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have uh, several features that we'd like to add to the Mac version, to, well, to both versions, but mm -hmm. we're not going to do that before uh, until we have uh, a Windows version. Right. And uh, after that, I don't know. I can't tell you about the priorities because we haven't decided yet. But we do know that we're going to go also to, uh, for the mobile platforms. So mm -hmm. you, you're going to have a version for uh, for iPads and probably for uh, for other um, tablets as well. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe iPhone as well. So that's also in the pipeline. And uh, after that, you know, we have all of all kinds of uh, crazy ideas, but nothing is really very clear right yeah. now because okay. there's a lot of potential here. There's potential for. Uh, uh, for different usages, uh, sure. yeah, you know, I've had some people telling me uh, this is good not only for interpreters. I'm, I'm mm. a translator. I use that when I translate as well. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, that's an interesting idea. And so I don't know. We have lots of lots of different crazy ideas, which I'm, I, I can't really tell you about now because they're they're, yeah. they're they're nothing more than crazy ideas yeah. for now. Uh, basically, uh, I hope that. Uh, uh, what what we currently have, uh, as they say in French, sur la planche, mm -hmm. is uh, the Windows version, yeah. and then uh, the uh, the mobile uh, tablets and possibly iPhone, yeah. and then we'll see. Now we're going to start uh, doing the beta testing for Windows very soon, a few months, I imagine, probably less. I don't know. That depends on the programmers, and mm -hmm. uh, as I said, they hate to give me dates, so yeah. I, I stopped. I stopped. I, I, I stopped pushing for dates a long yeah. time ago because I understood that it doesn't help me. In any way, mm. um, what else can I tell you? No, that's basically it. I think. 
And I guess the best place for people to go is to intragloss.com. That's the website. Yeah, there's no other place. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they can go to yeah, intragloss.com or contact me. And uh, since this is a new product, we really, uh, we really try to, to, well, we don't try. We actually answer every email and mm -hmm. uh, I spend hours talking with people on the phone, sometimes doing the demo, mm. explaining, uh, sometimes getting you know problems uh, because they didn't do something right or they didn't know how to do it mm. or they had a problem with the operating system. We spend a lot of time on really trying to get things to work properly for everybody because it's really the beginning and uh, mm. it's important that it should work for everybody and this is like a, a long-term thing that we're starting now. So, uh, so yeah, the best way to, to find information is to go to the website or call me. And there are a few videos as well on the website that are yeah. very good, I think, that sort of Thank explain you. the yeah. interface, so it's, it's good to... Yeah, and we're going to add videos uh, gradually, but it, it's so much time, you know, I, I do those videos. Yeah. So I had it's to a lot work. of work, I know. It's <laughs> a lot of work, yeah, it's a lot of work, and I had to start from scratch because yeah. I never did videos before. Um, uh, and, you know, you get all kinds of, of feedback, you know. Uh, I, I had someone... Uh, uh, sent me an email some time ago and said the best thing about your video is the music you chose. You know? I said <laughs> okay, and I really chose it uh, carefully because it's something that it's like the, the English Suites by Bach, mm -hmm. and, and and I love that. And I thought it was important to find good news, music that I like, and you know, uh, so I got feedback. I, say, on I that. noticed it was classical music, but I didn't pay too much attention. I focused <laughs> more on the visual. Input. Yeah, but you know, I, I was surprised. And the best thing about your video is the music. I said, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, that was funny. Um, that's it. What else can I tell you? I think that was a great introduction. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel. Okay, great, well, thank uh, you. So this has been my conversation with Dan Kenick. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. One last word on pricing, though, for Intragloss. Dan offers a subscription model. During the first year, you pay as little as 8 US dollars per month, and then later on, about 20 US dollars per month. Special rates are available for simultaneous interpreting students. Check the website and get in touch with Dan if you have any further questions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and pass it on. And if you haven't subscribed to it yet, please do to make sure you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time.